Hey, Sales Lift fans, it's Tyler Lindley here, your host. Today, I have Joe Benjamin on uh, from Cheetah IQ. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, very excited. So, Joe, let's kick things off. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and what it is you do there at Cheetah IQ. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder of Cheetah IQ. We've built a research platform for salespeople that allows them to research their prospects faster and more effectively. And the way we do that is we aggregate a bunch of sales sources that people rely on, and then we present all the results that are going to be relevant with one click. So it tends to save a ton of time. And what's more interesting is they're, they're able to find things that they wouldn't normally see. So it takes a manual process and automates a lot of it. Awesome. That's really cool. Is your background in sales or... Yeah. So I have about eight years of B2B sales experience. I've been working at early stage startups um, for the last kind of eight years as either the first sales hire or the first sales leader at the company. Gotcha. That makes sense. And was this something that you created out of need for yourself? Did you realize this was a pain point that a lot of sales folks had or? Yeah, exactly. So I've been doing outreach for as long as I've been doing sales. And one thing that I've seen, especially in the last few years is a shift towards personalization. Mm. And that requires a lot of research. And that tends to be very time consuming, especially if you're going after enterprise companies. And I was spending a lot of time doing this research process. And I thought, you know, there has to be a better way to do this. And so I paired up with my co-founder, who's a software engineer, mm -hmm. and we were able to build a solution to really reduce the amount of time that it takes. Awesome. That sounds cool. So you handle the sales, he handles all the uh, software or? Yeah, exactly. So he's on the product side of things and then I handle the sales and the, the marketing. Oh, convenient. Awesome. And who do you target? It sounded, uh, you mentioned enterprise companies. Is that the target audience or do you uh, have certain industries or niches that you try to target? So right now we're focusing mostly on series A to series C startups, just because they tend to move faster than the traditional enterprise companies. And then we go after people who target those enterprise companies. So if you sell to a fortune 500 company, you get a ton of value out of our platform. But even if you don't, if you sell to other startups, you can still get value. But we bring in things like 10 Ks and earnings calls, which tend to be really useful for outreach and also preparing for meetings and having better conversations. Gotcha. How much time do you think if someone was using Cheat how much time do you think that would save a sales rep in any given uh, week, save them from doing all that research time taken away from those golden hours of selling? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. We see a significant amount of time. It really varies. Some people use it a lot just to prepare for meetings. So it's not really necessarily a time saver for them. Hmm. It can be a, a way to have a more effective conversation because they're going to find what we call sales nuggets and pieces of information. But then if you're doing research for a prospect, people save a lot of time. We've heard people saving like up to half of the time that they were normally spending on research. And one of the reasons that they do that is we show you all the information that's available on one screen. And what they were traditionally doing was they were going down rabbit holes looking for things that don't even exist. Hmm. So being able to show people what's available, they know now like, okay, there's not going to be anything in the news. There's not going to be anything in the press releases. There's not going to be anything on the recent earnings call. So they know that, okay, we don't have to go searching for that. And that tends to save them a lot of time. And then they also find stuff that's more interesting than they would normally. So we've had people who find things on podcasts, for instance. So they're going for a decision maker and they want to find something that's 
more interesting than kind of just pulling something from their LinkedIn profile or content they've engaged with on LinkedIn. That stuff's good, but we believe that the harder it is to find things traditionally, the more effective you'll be able to be with your outreach to leverage that. Um, so podcast is something that's really interesting. We're pretty bullish on Twitter as well to get a good understanding of people. Hmm. I think that's underutilized. We like to go where people are not necessarily always thinking about, but we still go to the tried and trusted true sources like 10Ks news, blogs, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I definitely would agree that, you know, a podcast interview or a, you know, something someone writes on Twitter, I think that would be a lot more relevant and also give that sales rep the ability to personalize that content a lot more. I think obviously if it's in a 10 K, um, that's not going to have much, uh, relevance maybe to that individual. But if you're trying to connect at the end of the day, sales is a, a human to human interaction. So if you're trying to leverage that and personalize that content, I definitely think those two would be, uh, good avenues to, to go after. So very interesting. Specifically, you know, what do you think sales, it sounds like, you know, sales reps are, are wasting a lot of their time. It sounds like at various points of the sales process, it's, this is not just for prospecting, right? It sounds like this could right, be used yeah. at any point of the, of the sales process. Is that right, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen people using it for prospecting, then they get the meeting. So they have their first intro call. They prepare for that. And then because it's an enterprise sales cycle, they have to stay up to date on the account and things that change. And so they use the product throughout the sales cycle. We just launched in January, so we don't have a ton of data on how they use it throughout an enterprise sales cycle because we know that can be as long as a year or more. Mm -hmm. um, but we do know that they're using it between meetings and also to stay up to date on accounts they're already in sales cycles with. So yep. it's been pretty interesting to see how people use it. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause you do want to stay up to date, especially if your sales cycle is a little bit longer, if it's n more than just a couple of weeks, things might change. You know, the news changes, what their their priorities are changing. Maybe they do go on a podcast, you know, halfway through the sales cycle and then that becomes a relevant talking point. So uh, I definitely think getting that data as you go is important, uh, especially the longer the sales cycle, so. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big challenges with research is there's just so much information out there. <laughs> so the amount of information is overwhelming. And then all those information sources are fragmented. So it's pretty much impossible for an account executive. And even if they're paired with their SDR mm -hmm. to be able to stay on top of these accounts and people will say like, well, you know, you can do Google news alerts. We talked to about 50 enterprise reps. Pretty much everyone says that you cannot use Google News Alerts after like two accounts, because if you're an enterprise rep, you're going after the biggest companies in the world and there's news on them constantly. So that's a huge problem for them. And then you get alert fatigue. I mean, you have alerts from Slack, you have alerts from LinkedIn, you have your own personal texts and emails. So it really just is not an effective way to stay on top of accounts. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's almost, there's so much noise in sales. It's uh, how can we cut through some of that noise, get to that relevant content and then personalize that outreach to, to move that, move that deal forward. So I think yeah, it's, uh, exactly. yeah, great idea. I'm curious, Joe, kind of, you know, cause we're talking about sales enablement, essentially uh, enabling the sales team to do their job more efficiently here, spending less time researching. I'm curious kind of what does sales enablement mean to you? So I see it as a way um, for a person or a department to help a sales team succeed by giving them the right resources, 
whether that's training, better data, or better tools. And they're basically supercharging their sales team and taking kind of some of the manual work or some of the stuff that's really tedious off their plate and figuring out a way to either automate it or optimize it. Mm-hmm. Right. And what would you recommend? I mean, uh, a lot of our, our listeners are, you know, executives and, and business leaders or even sales leaders who are trying to figure out, you know, how do they, how do they do sales enablement for their team? How do they empower their teams to sell better and faster and, and do better? I mean, what would you recommend is some of the, some of the, th- the first few steps that you would take uh, to try to implement some kind of a sales enablement system in a startup company or in an established company, any kind of organization? What, what do you think would be some of the low hanging fruit to getting, getting off the ground? So I think this is probably a bad answer, but I think it depends right on the type of company and what they need to do. So the best way to solve the problems that are happening with your salespeople is to sit down with the frontline salespeople and just talk to them. Hmm shadow them for a couple of days, see where there are bottlenecks, see what they need help with. I talk to salespeople every day. So we've had a bottom up strategy. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to people on the front lines first, instead of going to senior level, we've had some meetings with some senior level people, but you'd be amazed by how many people are just like, I need better data or like mm-hmm. the email addresses in our CRM are not up to date or like we've never even heard of 10 case before. I had a call actually today and they were, they said like, we'd never even heard of 10 Ks before. Mm. And they go after fortune 500 companies every single day. That's their prime target. Um, So it's kind of one of those things like you have to talk to your sales reps and see, you know, what do they need help with? Because salespeople will tell you like where their pains are and what their problems are. And they'll give you suggestions. And another thing, sorry for the rambling answer here. (laughs) One of the things that was more interesting to me than kind of I ever expected was a lot of salespeople will actually pay for their own tools. Hmm. So during our research, we found that a lot of salespeople are paying for either better email information. So they'll get like Lucia, for instance, just because they don't want to go through sales ops to get better emails. We know we have clients who are individual reps paying for our tool. They're like, we're not even going to go up the chain because we know it's going to be a month or two before we get approval on this. And we'll make commission. We're going to make the money back on this tool. <laughs> so I think you should also talk to your reps and be like, are you guys paying for anything? I know that yes, where their go to market strategy was, they basically did what we're copying, which is go to the individual reps. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they adopt it. And then you go to their VP of sales and say like, Hey, you know, a third of your team is using our tool. Like, why aren't you paying for it? Yep. And then the VP of sales already has the use case and they see like the reps are doing well. So I think, probably the first thing kind of to go back to answer your question more succinctly, like see what they're paying for or what they want to pay for. Mm -hmm. That could be a really good indication from a behavioral standpoint, what they need help with. And then just ask them, like talk to them. I don't think that's done enough. I think a lot of times senior salespeople or senior sales leaders will see what other senior sales leaders are doing or what they're buying. And they think like, well, if they're using this tool, then my team needs this. Or if they're using this type of training, like then I should be doing this. Right. And you know, that herd mentality doesn't necessarily work for every company. Yep. No, that makes sense. And it sounds like that's why that bottom up approach really worked for you because at the end of the day, an individual rep might, might pay for this tool on their own if they see enough value. And then if you can create that groundswell within the organization, you can kind of move, move up the chain once you have, you know, a few of those frontline folks using the tool. Is that why y'all went with the bottom up approach or? Yeah. So we know that from kind of a, we thought about it in a few ways. First, we thought like what other companies that are similar to us, like as far as being a sales tool, how did they succeed? So that was our first thing. And we knew we heard about, yes, we're doing this. And that used to be kind of like 
the go-to email tool. It's still really popular. So we were like, let's mimic that. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then the other thing was we knew from our research that salespeople were paying for tools themselves. And a lot of them, especially at companies where they're selling to enterprise, they'll either have money because enterprise salespeople make pretty good money mm-hmm. um, or they can expense it themselves. Hmm. So they can just use their own company car. So we thought, you know, if people are going to use our tool and then they're going to be the use case internally, then we can do the land and expand model with them. Yeah. Um, we have our own case study at these companies where a startup, we're not going to have case studies probably for like another month or two anyway. So yeah. it's been working pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Especially like you mentioned for the case studies, that's really valuable to go in and, and have some folks that are utilizing the tool and then, and then be able to have that conversation with leadership once it makes sense. So, uh, what do, when leaders find out, uh, that their sales reps, that their individual reps are paying for some tools themselves, regardless of the tool, what do you think their reaction typically is? Or have you seen some reactions? Is are they surprised? Did they know this was happening or? So as of today, we haven't gotten that far with the reps. Um, I can say that we've actually been referred up the chain for people who are kind of on the fence paying it for themselves. Mm. And they're like, so-and-so, my SDR said that you guys are someone we should definitely talk to. Like you can help us solve this, like explain how you're different from these tools. And then let's book a meeting. I had a meeting today with someone who is the global head of all the SDRs at the company. Mm -hmm. And that's how they found out about us. Their SDR did a trial account with us he immediately saw the value and he pushed it up the chain. And because he has, they have a very forward thinking global SDR manager. He was like, well, I trust my frontline people. Mm-hmm. Like, let me hear what they have to say to see if this is a fit for something we can move forward with. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very interesting idea and uh, I think it's, it's, it's really a value to any sales rep because at the end of the day, all sales reps, you know, do research and they all need information and, and cutting through that data can kind of be one of the toughest things at, at some point. Do you think, you know, where does, obviously LinkedIn is, is a big tool that a lot of sales teams are utilizing. Oh, where does LinkedIn kind of fit into this given that, you know, if you have sales navigator, you can kind of go in and, and do some of that searching on your own, where does, where does LinkedIn and, and utilizing that tool fit in, uh, do you think to this research process? So LinkedIn's a definitely a compliment to us. We don't see them as kind of like a direct competitor. Mm-hmm. You would never choose either our tool or their tool. I would say that they're kind of like a high, like a super high quality contact database. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of information on people. With that said, we know that a lot of people do not produce content. We know that a lot of people are not actively using LinkedIn and they're not updating it all the time. So it's really good, but it doesn't cover everything for everyone. And oftentimes sales reps have to bounce off of LinkedIn. It tends to be one of their first places they go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if they don't have anything there, then they're going to go look for other things. Um, and that's where we can help supplement them. And then in the future, we actually want to integrate LinkedIn sales navigator Mm -hmm. into our platform. So you have a view of all this information and then you have all the rich, valuable information from LinkedIn and then you're going to have everything covered. Gotcha. Makes sense. You mentioned kind of, you know, sales reps may be creating their own content on LinkedIn. Uh, Do you see that as a valuable strategy this day and age? And, you know, do you have that kind of conversation about reps doing maybe some of their own marketing a little bit uh, through channels like LinkedIn? Yeah. So I think, so we use LinkedIn a lot and it works really well for us for generating brand awareness and we get a decent amount of inbound leads from it. Mm -hmm. I think that right now it's very in vogue to kind of create your own brand. But I think if you're an SDR, you're probably better off just honing your craft Mm -hmm. and 
focusing on building your skill set. And then as you gain that experience and you gain that knowledge, you'll actually be able to produce more valuable content in the future. Mm-hmm. I think there's kind of a rush for people right now to kind of put their name out there and low quality content doesn't actually help you. You might get some likes and some comments on it, but you're not actually building your brand as some people say, and you're not going to be a thought leader until you actually have things to say that are valuable. And that, that comes with experience. Um, mm-hmm. but it also comes with honing your craft because there's definitely people I see on LinkedIn with 20 years of sales experience and they put out garbage content every <laughs> single day. So, you know, I think that you should focus on that. And I know a lot of people in sales who, are great at their jobs and they never post on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because they're focusing on killing it in their role. Right. And they don't actually need LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. I think it works for some folks uh, more than others. I think it depends on your personality a little bit as to whether or not it makes sense for you. But I do agree if you're just going to, if you're creating content for content's sake um, and it's garbage, then are you really creating a personal brand or are you giving people a reason not to work with you? Um, So I think, uh, I definitely think you shouldn't be doing it just to, just to do it just because like you mentioned, it's in vogue, uh, but it should be something that's actually moving the needle and, and driving forward some of the goals you have within your organization as well. So do you think that's something that maybe sales leaders should be uh, talking about and, and, you know, giving recommendations to their team? Or do you think it's up to that individual rep to kind of figure out what works best for them? So that's a, that's a good question. I think it it does depend on kind of who your audience is, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you sell to other people in sales and marketing, it might make sense to implement a social selling strategy because those people are going to be there. But if you're selling to like, tech people like software engineers, they're not going to be on LinkedIn that much. They're on Twitter. Mm. Um, maybe you should be pushing your reps to be on Twitter because that's where your audience is. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to like, are you putting them in a position to where they're going to be putting out valuable content? Because at the end of the day, like they're going to be representing the company, they're going to be representing the brand and you don't want them to be seen as like this kind of just like garbage content factory where you have (laughs) 10 reps and they're just like posting garbage all the time. Right. Um, so, you know, I think it depends on a lot of things. That's, it's not the best answer, but yeah. Where do you think kind of sales training and onboarding fits into this piece, Joe, in terms of, you know, when you're, when you're initially bringing on a new sales rep and you're, you're trying to get them up to speed, get them ramped quickly and this whole research and saving time, should that be a part of that process? And if so, you know, what should, what should leaders be saying and doing on the front end as they onboard their sales reps to, to give them you know, kind of the best information to, to, to move quickly in the role? So obviously I'm very biased and I think that, you know, it should be a tool for every company like table stakes, like a zoom info and the LinkedIn sales navigator type of product. But I think that there's definitely neglect with explaining to reps how to research Hmm. and what sources they should be looking at. I've talked to a few senior people this past week. And one thing I asked, like, do you have any type of consistent research process across your team? So, you know, people aren't overlooking sources or you're making sure like they're all covering their bases to not miss anything. And nobody has really done it yet, Hmm. which is probably just something that there's so many pieces of information out there that it's hard to kind of wrap your head around like where you should even start. And there's also kind of all the basic skill sales skills that people already know about Mm -hmm. like objection handling. Like obviously that's going to be part of any type of onboarding and how are you going to run a discovery call? So things like that, people are already doing it. 
people don't even commit enough training probably to that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so, but I do think they should do research because that is foundational to everything that you do. So it's foundational to your outreach. It's foundational to your conversations that you're having and it's foundational to staying up to date on accounts. So you know, like when you should be reaching out and mm-hmm. what you should be discussing. And also how do you connect with that person who's going to potentially buy from you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, how to research. Obviously it doesn't really sound like a sales skill or something that you necessarily teach in onboarding, but at the end of the day, it's something that sales people do all the time. Research every single day, regardless of your role, regardless of what, how long or short your sales cycle is or who you're targeting, you're doing some form of research. So perhaps including best practices for, well, Hey, this is, this is what you should utilize when you're researching our target audience. And this is how much you should research. And, and this is when you should really dive in and and research a lot. And this is where you should not. I think arming teams with that information on the front end would maybe help them at least give them some guardrails. So they're not overdoing or underdoing maybe the research phase. So, yeah. And, and to add to that one thing that we learned during our research when we were talking to potential customers before we even built the product was that if you were to take a hundred sales reps, Mm -hmm. they're all doing different things. So some people will be looking at job postings because that will give you a really good indication of what software is being used. Mm -hmm. Some people are head down in 10 Ks and they really care about the risk factors and the properties that these companies have. Some people, all they do is LinkedIn and they don't need anything else. Mm. Um, So when you think about it, people are kind of picking all these different sources. And what that means is they're missing things potentially in other sources. Mm. So if you create consistency across your sales team, you're going to be able to pick up all these different sales nuggets and potential triggers for reasons to out, to do outreach. And also just, you're going to have a better conversation when you have a clearer picture of who your prospect is. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. Almost doing that go to market strategy, the ideal customer profile, you know, who's our target audience first, and then using that to help you dictate, you know, what kind of, what kind of research process you might need to do. If you exactly. were going to set up a research, you know, here's, here's the research guide for, for XYZ sales uh, organization. What would be, what would be some of the things that you'd put into that research guide? So it depends again on what type of company that uh, you're targeting. So we'll just take an enterprise company, someone who wants to get in with a publicly traded company. So I think minimum, you always have to read their 10 K because that's the most valuable information that is highly credible and it comes from the Mm C-suite. So you know that you can rely on that information um, and it's going to give you all sorts of nuggets depending on what you sell. And for most companies, you're going to find something in there that's valuable. Mm. Um, at a minimum, you'll get quality background information from things like how many employees do they have? What's their fiscal year? Are they growing revenue? That kind of stuff. So I would say 10 K. And then on top of that, you want to stay up to date on their earnings calls. Mm. So there are very few opportunities you get from your prospects where they're going to tell you how their business is going and what they're focusing on and what's not working well. And publicly traded companies do that four times a year. So I haven't talked to anyone yet who says that they plan any type of schedule to stay on top of earnings calls, Mm. but you should, because I did research for um, one of our prospects recently, and there was a big event that happened in their earnings call that was very valuable information. Mm. So those are kind of like the two most important things I think for enterprise companies, then you have to look at things like the news because it's constantly changing. If you sell HR software, there might be something about expansion into a new region as far as like opening up 500 new stores. 
that could be a great opportunity for you to reach out. It's similar how people reach out when there's funding for a startup. Mm-hmm. And then job postings are really underrated. There's yeah. so much valuable information in there. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it seems like job postings would work for any size company just because it's going to give you a lot of detail. Yep. For those non-enterprise companies, if you were to take a step down and look at a smaller, medium-sized business or a startup, what do you think is valuable if, if you don't have a 10K, if you don't have earnings calls, when you take that step down, what becomes the key there in that, in that arena? Yeah, so I think it's all the kind of basic things like news, press, blogs, uh, like you said, job postings. Mm-hmm. We look at their social accounts too, which can depend on kind of what you're selling, if there's any value there. Yep. Uh, I also like podcasts and then just look at their website. Mm-hmm. A lot of times their website has very useful information and it depends on what you're selling, but you can find some stuff there. And then always LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn's going to have some good information at the prospect level. We do company and contact, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's stuff on LinkedIn profiles that can be, uh, pretty valuable too, especially if you can find a piece of content that they engaged with. I know that that kind of tends to be something that people will, you know, put in the premise and Mm -hmm. they connect that to the value prop with a call to action. So yeah, gotcha. small, small companies too. What about a job posting? I want to dive into that just a little bit more. If I'm looking at a job posting and I'm doing some research on a company, what should I be looking for? Yeah. So we've, talk to a lot of salespeople and I've learned how people are using job postings because I actually haven't used them that much until now. Hmm. So one thing is people will say like, where are people investing their money? So if they have a bunch of roles open in a department, Mm -hmm. that's a good indication like, okay, they're investing in this department. Maybe it's like 20 new marketing roles open. And then if you sell software or a product or service that can make those people more efficient or more effective, that's a good reason to reach out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like before you even look into the job postings, Hmm. then you can look into the job postings and you can mirror their language. So how do they describe the roles? What are the responsibilities? Do you have a product that can help with that? And then as far as kind of like the job description below, where I'll say like, you need to be experienced with these types of tools. We have clients who will look for different types of software, Hmm. either that they, they integrate with or that it's an indication that they could be a prospect because they list like you need to have experience with one of these five types of softwares or tools. Mm. And then the other thing someone else told me about this week was like, you can get a good indication of the culture of the company Hmm. if you know how to use that uh, for outreach. So yeah, there's a, there's a, a few more things, but those are kind of the, the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of, a lot of valuable data there on something that's open out there on their site or on a job board. So, uh, definitely start utilizing that if you're, if you aren't already sales, sales reps. So, uh, uh awesome. I want to take us to the lightning round here, uh, finish up with a few questions. I'd like to ask everybody, Joe, first, first question is, uh, what book would you recommend to our audience and why? Sure. So a book that I like is Shoe Dog. It's a memoir by Phil Knight. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I like it, it's a great story about entrepreneurship. It's a good way of saying like, you need to take a long-term view. There's going to be a lot of low lows and high highs, Mm -hmm. but if you take a long-term view over time, things can work out. And then also how important it is to build a company with the right team, because the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the ones who determine the success of the company. Yep. Awesome. Great book. We'll link to that in the show notes. What is your favorite home cooked meal and uh, made by you or someone in your family? So I'm not a good cook, uh, but my wife is, uh, she makes a world famous fried chicken sandwich and an air fryer that she recently bought. Wow. So yeah, I would say that. 
Awesome. That sounds delicious. Any special yeah. sauces or toppings on the sandwich or there's like a chipotle aioli sauce that she, I think, or maybe like with a sriracha sauce. I don't know. I don't ask questions. I just eat it. <laughs> this is delicious, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Uh, what software tool or app could you not live without? Slack. Hmm. Yes. Why Slack? Because I'm in it so much and I, my co-founder and I have organized everything and it makes our life so much easier. Awesome. Um, so yeah, Slack Do you use it externally makes, as well or just internally or just internally for now. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I'm actually, and then I use other Slack public groups, which have been a pretty good way to network with people. Cool. So there, there's a few Slack, I guess they're called not channels, workspaces, mm-hmm. um, for people in sales and they've been pretty effective. Cool. Any that our audience should be aware of specifically any of those public uh, workspaces or I can send you the names after. I just, I don't know them like okay. word for word. Yeah, we can share them with the audience in case anybody wants to check any of those out. So if you could go back in time 10 years ago and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, so that's pretty easy. Drop out of law school. <laughs> I think 10 years ago I was in law school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Okay. Why was that a mistake? <laughs> I just never wanted to be a lawyer. And then right. I was a lawyer and that was four years I wasted. Right. Okay. Well, you figured it out now you're in sales. So, uh, yeah. with startup. So how can my listeners find you online, Joe? So they can go to our website, cheetahiq.com. Okay. Um, and they can go to the about us page and my LinkedIn and emails there. Perfect. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. So I uh, want to really appreciate you joining today, Joe. Great conversation. Uh, we'll have to have you me. back on. Yeah. So have, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thanks. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.